Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We've got a packed show for you guys tonight. Today's show, by the way, is pre-recorded, so it is I am not live, but if there's something that has happened, some crazy in the sports world, some breaking news, I am aware of it, just not at the time that you are watching or listening to me. That's what I always say. The last two times, some Deshaun Watson news has broke. So if we get some breaking news, hopefully it's better than that. Uh, but we got a big show for you guys tonight. So continued disrespect of my man, Rain Dakota Prescott. I had to wear the DAC hat once again to support my guy. Uh, and it comes from a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'll discuss that as well as the Buffalo Bills. I mean, smacking the Tennessee Titans. They, they smacked the Tennessee Titans. Also, Robert Sarver. Good riddance. He is going to sell the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. I'll discuss that, particularly his curious statement. Uh, and the, at the end of the show, I'm going to discuss Browns Steelers Thursday night football tonight, week three. Can't believe we're already in week three. Gee whiz, it's flown by. Week three in the NFL. Going to talk about that. Going to predict that game at the end of today's show. Coming off a much better week two than a week one. Week one, I predicted six games correct. Week two, I almost doubled it to 11. So hopefully I can keep that, that number going up in week three. But first, Philadelphia, you've got yourself a Super Bowl contender. That's right, I said it. So before the season, I predicted the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East. Not because they had a better roster than Philly, because they don't. Not because they have a better coach than Philly, because they don't. Not because they have a better front office of Philly, because they definitely don't but because I trusted Dak Prescott more than Jalen Hurts. Now, while that has not changed, this Philadelphia team is even better than I thought it would be. And it is really a, a hats off to everybody, starting with the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, to the general manager, Howie Roseman, and down to the head coach, Nick Sirianni. Because everybody played into their strengths, didn't get big egos, and understood, here's how we can put ourselves in the best position to win. Okay? Because you had Howie Roseman, who gave Carson Wentz a lot of money. Uh, Carson Wentz, at one point, was one of the top five highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. 2019, he led the Eagles to the playoffs, led them to the NFC East division title. But Howie Roseman saw what I think I saw, and I think, if we're being honest, what a lot of people out there saw. Something off about Wentz. Like, I, I can't put a finger. He, he's, he's a little deer in headlights, a little unsure of himself. He kind of double clutches. He doesn't make the greatest decisions with the football. He's not great in the locker room, not the greatest leader. And so, a year after I give Wentz that big contract, I'm going to go draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. And it, it set the NFL world on fire. Like, what? You've already got your guy. Why are you drafting somebody that could possibly be a franchise quarterback elsewhere? Yes, we had concerns about Jalen Hurts' ability to throw the football down the field. His ability to throw accurately. We had no doubts about his ability to, to move in and get outside of the pocket. But we're like, you've already got your guy. That's, that's a little too good of a backup to have to be a threat to your starter. 
And what happened in 2020? It's kind of a disaster. Philadelphia won four games that year. Doug Peterson got fired and Carson Wentz got traded and they fully committed to Jalen Hurts. But last year, they got off to a little bit of a rough start. New head coach Nick Sirianni feels like Philadelphia is in kind of a rebuild. And what happens? Nick Sirianni, the head coach, did something that most head coaches, most people in power don't do. He showed incredible self-awareness. He said, you know what? I'm calling the offensive plays right now. It's not really working. I'm going to hand it off the offensive coordinator. I'm going to be the game manager head coach. Right, I'm going to you know, be aware of the clock, use timeouts, maybe, hey, let's go, let's go, you know, clapping, motivating your guys, but I'm not going to be a play caller. And what happened? Philadelphia got in a roll the rest of the season, ended up getting in the playoffs. And now this year they're 2-0 and and their offense looks unbelievable. And something about Jalen Hurts too. And I have to be, you know me, I always try to keep it real on the show, keep it fair. I've always loved about Josh Allen, who I'm going to talk about in the next segment with the Buffalo Bills. What I've always said time and time again on this show, I've also said it about Lamar Jackson, is that from their rookie year till now, you can clearly, clearly see, oh, they've absolutely gotten better year by year by year. Well, I could say the same thing about Jalen Hurts, even in terms of team success. He took over end of his rookie year, 2020, only started, I think, three or four games. It was a four-win team, didn't make the playoffs. He threw a lot of interceptions, had a lot of fumbles last year, especially at the end of last year, got in a role, played into his strengths. You know, they, they ran the football. He was good on accurate short passes. And now this year, he has the Eagles in position, certainly to win the NFC East. Who knows? Possibly to get that number one seed. And again, a weak NFC. I still trust the Rams. I'm not panicking after the way they've looked their first two games. I said on Sunday, on Monday's show, I'm not, something's off about Tampa. Can Minnesota get that number one seed? We'll see. Green Bay, I don't trust. The Niners, we'll see with Jimmy Garoppolo. Never forget last year, they were the sixth seed with Jimmy Garoppolo with that great roster. So Philadelphia in that division has an opportunity to go get the number one seed. Especially, I think Philly has the, I think they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. I mean, you look at Philly's schedule moving forward. It is not like, it's not exactly murderer's row. Okay, they got at the Commanders, home against the Jaguars, at Arizona, home against Dallas, home against Pittsburgh, at Houston, Commanders at home, Colts on the road, Packers at home, Titans at home, at the Giants, at the Bears, at the Cowboys, and then two home games against the Saints and Giants. Not exactly intimidating. Okay, there's certainly some losable games in there. I mean, Philly's not going 17-0, obviously. But this is a well-rounded football team. And I said about the defense, too. I was a little concerned about the defense after giving up 35 points to Detroit. Well, part of that looks like now is that Detroit has a very good offense. Okay, Detroit's put up 35-plus the first two games of the season. Detroit looks pretty good. Philadelphia, though, on the other hand, they face an equally explosive offense, the Minnesota Vikings, with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and, and, and Dalvin Cook and Madison, and Irv Smith, and all those guys, and they completely shut him down. Some of that might very well may be the Monday Night Football curse with Kirk Cousins. I, I don't know what it is with this man, but he looks like a backup quarterback every time he plays Monday Night Football. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the bright lights. S something's up with Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football. I think Minnesota's going to bounce back. I'm not worried about the Vikings from here. Who, who they got next week? They got the they got the Detroit Lions. So that's not an easy game, uh, but that is at home. They are a better football team. I think they're a better coach football team. So that's that's certainly a winnable game for the Minnesota Vikings. But if you're Philadelphia, you got to feel great about yourself. Schedule's not bad. Coach understands what he is and what he isn't. Quarterback understands the same. Now, here's the only trepidation I have about Philly. Can Jalen, because this has always been my question about Jalen Hurts, can he throw the ball accurately down the field? Because I've said old, numerous times on the show, especially last year, Jalen Hurts' deep ball, I say it dies in the air. It's not the Matthew Stafford or Justin Herbert or Aaron Rodgers' deep ball 
where it just comes beautifully out of the air and then just nosedives perfectly into the receiver's hands. Hurts deep ball kind of goes up and then it just kind of falls. It doesn't dive, it just falls. And a lot of times it gets underthrown and it sometimes it gets intercepted. He had, he'd look at a lot of Jalen Hurts interceptions last year. A lot of them were on underthrown deep balls. So Minnesota kind of threw that same look, not to get too technical, but Minnesota kind of threw that same cover four look at Philadelphia. They didn't really adjust. Not sure why, but they didn't. When they move forward, when other defensive coordinators do adjust to what Philadelphia does offensively, can Jalen Hurts still make those throws? I don't doubt that he can. But this is going to be something to keep your eye on moving forward. But today, in that conference, Philadelphia is a Super Bowl contender. They are. The playmakers they have on defense, the guys they got offensively, let's not forget Miles Sanders, excellent in the running game behind maybe the best offensive line in football. So they can control the clock, and they have playmakers to the outside. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard at tight end. Okay, so Philadelphia's got some good pass catchers, excellent in the running game. This team is going to be a problem moving forward. At this point, I think they're going to win the NFC East. And at that point, the question is going to be, can they get that number one overall seed and get that first round bye to the divisional round of the playoffs? We'll see. But Philadelphia, that was a statement. That was a statement by a team that a lot of people have kind of been on the fence on. Some people have gone all in, say, oh, they could go to the Super Bowl. Some, like myself, are like, oh, they kind of just feel like a playoff team that goes one and done again. This team looks legit. So we'll see if, when, not if, when defensive coordinators adjust, if Philadelphia does as well. Given how they've started this year, given how they finished at the end of last season, I think they will. Because remember, you know, they're sort of like the anti-Arizona Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals got off to that was 8-0 start last year, and then they ended up losing like five of their last six games because Cliff Kingsbury is the worst coach in the NFL in terms of adjustments. Philadelphia was the opposite. They got up to an awful start and then finished hot down the stretch. That's a testament to the coaching staff and to the roster. So as much as I hate to say it, job well done, Philly. Job well done. And Darius Slay. Darius Slay had two interceptions. He probably should have had 10. It's, it's like Kirk Cousins thought Darius Slay was a Vikings receiver because he just kept throwing the ball. Darius dropped a lot of those interceptions. He capitalized on a couple of them, but man, I'm like that number two in green, Kirk is not one of your receivers. He's not Justin Jefferson, who by the way, had a pretty rough game. You guys know I love Justin Jefferson. I think he's a top five receiver in this league, uh, but Justin Jefferson the other night had uh, only six catches for 48 yards. He was pretty much held in check. Uh, really the whole Vikings offense was. They had 62 yards rushing. And Kirk was just flat out bad. 27 for 46, 221, one touchdown, three interceptions, a QBR from 0 to 100. He had a QBR of 17 and a passer rating of 51. Kirk Cousins was awful. Uh, but again, I, I think Minnesota's a good chance to bounce back this week. And Philadelphia, they got a chance to make a little bit of a run. Moving on to another team that can definitely make a run. In a single game and in a single season, that would be the Buffalo Bills. I picked Buffalo to win Monday night and to win by two scores. I had him 34 to 20, I think. That was darn near child abuse, what they did to the Tennessee Titans. Don't forget, the last two years, Tennessee has actually beaten Buffalo. 2020, it was a rescheduled game due to COVID. They smoked Buffalo. Last year, also on Monday Night Football. Buffalo had some weird late-game execution in the red zone. Derrick Henry had a Derrick Henry-type game, and Tennessee ended up winning. So part of that is for Buffalo is like, you know, we're sort of the Michael Jordan. We're taking this personally. And man, they took it personally and then some. Josh Allen on Monday Night Football, 26 for 38, 317 yards, four touchdowns. QBR of 0 to 100. He had a QBR of 87 and a passer rating of 128.9. Stefan Diggs, by himself, had three touchdown catches. Uh, he had 12 receptions total for 148 yards. So he, he was phenomenal. Uh, I remember talking about right before kickoff that Gabe Davis was going to uh, be out due to injury. And we talked about Gabe Davis had that crazy four-touchdown game against Kansas City in the playoffs. He played great. 
on opening night against the Rams were like, oh, okay, this, this maybe could be a significant loss. But I said, look, Buffalo can still run the football with Devin Singletary. they got a really good offensive line. Okay, they've got, obviously, Stephon Diggs. They've got uh, Dawson Knox. They, they've got plenty of playmakers. And, man, they looked like it. And even that defense, too, against what is a decent, not, not a good, but a decent Tennessee offense. To me, what was most impressive, they didn't hold Derrick Henry in check. They shut him down. Derrick Henry, look at his numbers from Monday night. 13 carries for 25 yards. He did have a touchdown, but only 25 yards in the game on 13 carries. That's less than two yards average per carry. And that's the thing for Tennessee. If you can stop Derrick Henry, if you have to make Ryan Tannehill beat you, you're good. Ryan Tannehill's a starting quarterback in this league. He is. But I never thought he's a franchise quarterback, but he's he's not the guy that can, as I always say, quote-unquote, take you there. He's not that guy to, if you're down two scores in the fourth quarter, or if it's first half, you're down 10. Feels like the other team's totally dominating you. The game's getting a little out of hand. Make that big third down throw. Or make that one play in the game that gets you back in. And you're like, okay, all right, we're good. We're good. Let's keep moving forward. He's he's never really been that guy. And as I've said since the offseason, I think he's going to be replaced midseason by Malik Willis who did come in relief in the game, didn't look terrible. Um, but I think for for Buffalo, this is kind of the thing. You almost are concerned that are we like that kid in high school that's peaking too early? We, you all know that kid in high school, uh, that they're, uh, they got everything right. They, if we're talking about guys, right. He's got the, he's got the, the girlfriend. He's got, uh, he, he's a star uh, on the football team, right. He gets to go to college and this and that. And that's kind of where it ends for. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think that's the case for the Bills, given what I've seen the last couple of years. Given what I've seen from Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs ever since those two became uh, really one of the best quarterback-receiving duos in 2020. And Sean McDermott, who has done a tremendous job since becoming the head coach of the Bills in 2017, even before Josh Allen. Now, the question, I think, for Buffalo is, are are they the overwhelming favorites to get to or win the Super Bowl? I say no. I still don't think they're the overwhelming favorites. Have they looked like overwhelmingly the best team in football? Yes. But we are still in week two. We're going into week three now. We've still got a ways to go. I hold tight to my prediction. Buffalo will be the number one seed. They will play in the AFC Championship game to me without a doubt. Whether they run into Kansas City or not. Kansas City is still a threat. I'm still, I'm clinging. I'm I'm starting to slip a little bit, but I'm still clinging to Denver maybe getting it together because I believe in Russell Wilson. I believe in that defense. Look around the rest of the AFC. Baltimore can score points on anybody. The question is, can they stop anybody? That defense is, is, is not, it, it ain't it right now. Some of that's due to injury. Some of that's due to the new defensive coordinator, and it's not working over there. But right now, to me, I don't think it's even close. Today, the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL. They have separated themselves from the other 31 teams, even the contending teams, like I just mentioned. But we got to see as the season goes on to me, I can't call you the overwhelming favorites troll around midseason. If Buffalo's undefeated or if they have like one loss and they're pretty much smoking everybody, okay. But just only because it's not disrespect to Buffalo. Like I, I just said, they are clearly the best team in the NFL. Clearly. But I can't say that they are the overwhelming favorites. I got to give it a little bit of time. But this team, it's as crazy as it is to say, they've almost exceeded expectations. Because 
Everybody and their grandmama picked Buffalo to get to the Super Bowl. Everybody picked them to win the AFC. As if they were the overwhelming favorites. Thus far, they're looking better than we thought. Sure, we thought they could beat the Rams. I mean, heck, they were favored to beat the Rams on opening night of the season. They were supposed to beat him by three touchdowns. The champs? Aaron Donald and Stafford and Cup, they beat him by three touchdowns. And against a playoff team from last year, the Tennessee Titans. Albeit they've lost some pieces and they're dealing with some injuries on that offensive line. But still a playoff team. Derrick Henry was still back there. Ryan Tannehill's still there at quarterback. That game was over before halftime. It wasn't even close. Like even, even when it was 7-7, Buffalo scored the first drive. Tennessee came right back, scored, made it 7-7. Never felt like a game. Never felt like a, a, a chance for Tennessee to win that football game on the other night. It's incredible. Buffalo looks outstanding. So hats off to the Bills. Hats off to the Bills Mafia. I've always said one of my favorite fan bases in the NFL. Certainly one of the most loyal. They're a little crazy at tailgate. We know that. There's a lot of memes the other night because Philly and Buffalo both won convincingly. And so people saying, hey, you know, what if we get a Bills-Eagles Super Bowl? And and people are joking. Uh, I don't know if the tailgates could, could handle that because we know how Eagles fans are at tailgate. We know how Bills are Bills fans are at tailgate. So that, that'd be That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. I hope we don't get a Bills Eagles Super Bowl, uh, just because I don't, I don't, I don't like seeing the Eagles in prosperity. Just because I'm no longer a Cowboys fan doesn't mean I like Philly. Okay, let the didn't didn't change that. But uh, it's 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 gonna be interesting to see because, look, man, this this fan base has been, and you could tell on the TV too, that place was rocking. I mean, you had the great Jim Kelly. Shout out to Jim Kelly after you know all he's been through. But you had the great Jim Kelly firing up the crowd before kickoff. I mean, that that place, you can tell on TV when a place is really loud. That place was loud. That, that place understands this is the closest the Bills have ever been to a Super Bowl title since the 90s. When they made not one, not two, not three, but four straight Super Bowls. That's never been done before. A team made four straight Super Bowls. And Buffalo lost every single one. So, they've been through some heartbreak. And even in the playoffs, aside from the Super Bowls, they understand heartbreak. Cover your eyes and cover your ears, Bills fans. Music City Miracle against these same Tennessee Titans. Was it a forward pass? Was it not a forward pass? We'll never really, I guess, know for certain because the Titans ended up scoring a walk-off touchdown. And just last year, everybody's always going to recognize last year's game against Kansas City as the 13 seconds game. Buffalo scores. They're up three with 13 seconds left. The game is over. And Mahomes drives the Chiefs into field goal range in like 11 seconds. And they kick the tying field goal and they go on to win it in overtime. So Bills fans, they have seen their fair share of heartbreak. So for their sake, I, I, would, be, I would be thrilled to see that team and that franchise win a Super Bowl. And obviously, there's a, there's a, they got a great, great opportunity to do that this year. They're healthy, they're whole, and they just look flat out better than everybody else. I, I don't know really any other way to put it. I can't call them the overwhelming favorites yet. Got to give it a little bit of time. It is We're just now going into week three. But what I can't deny, this is clearly the best team in the NFL. Clearly. It's not, I, don't even think it's, I don't even think it's a debate. But, you know, when you look at week three, there, there, there's, some, there's some interesting ones, right? You got Kansas City, Indianapolis. Indianapolis 0-1-1, obviously that tie in week one against Houston. And I picked Indianapolis to win that division, to win that AFC South. They've looked awful the first two games. Some of that is last week playing in Jacksonville. The Colts literally, literally never play well in Jacksonville. But that's, that's not looking good over there. You got Kansas City coming into Indianapolis as five-and-a-half-point favorites. Like that is insane uh, when you when you think about the Colts roster, uh, Bills, Dolphins. You got. I mean, I'm getting. I'm telling you, folks, it is incredible. It is truly incredible. I do not get more pushback for any criticism of any player in sports than I get for criticizing Tua. It, I'm telling you, Tua fan, to heck to guys and gals out there, find you a life partner that cares about you as much as Dolphins fans care about Tua. Where it don't matter what you do, good or bad or in between, they are going to fight for you 
till, till their dying breath. And to a certain degree, I respect that about Dolphins fans, but gee whiz. One game. One game. He's great. He's great. One game. I listed the quarterbacks on Monday that have thrown for six touchdowns, and not all of them are exactly going to have Hall of Fame careers or did have Hall of Fame careers. Okay, Trubisky, Fitzpatrick, Matt Schaub. I mean, we understand what, what this is. Nick Foles is probably the best quarterback in that group that I mentioned on Monday to throw six touchdown passes. So let's let's slow it down a little bit. We're going to see... We're going to see how good Tua, because Tua didn't even outplay Lamar Jackson. He wasn't even the best quarterback on the field Sunday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So now he's got to go against Josh Allen on uh, on Sunday at home. You tell me two is amazing. At home, he's a six-point dog with a 2-0 and team that just dropped 42 points on a playoff team, the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. I don't know. You tell me. We'll see. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Ravens, Patriots. I'm kind of leaning New England in this game. I'm actually, for whatever reason, Belichick always gives Lamar problems. I don't know what, Belichick always gives Lamar Jackson problems. 2019, take that away. Lamar was great that night. That I think that game was really what sort of catapulted Lamar into being the favorite for MVP, which he went on to win unanimously that season. But ever since, Lamar doesn't play great against New England. So that that that's a game to keep your eye on. Baltimore's a two and a half point favorite. I could see... I could see a possible upset alert in in Foxborough. That, that's something to keep your eye on. Bengals, Jets. Excuse me. Bengals, Jets. Never forget, Buffalo. I'm sorry, Buffalo. Cincinnati lost badly to the Jets last season in the Meadowlands. They come in 0-2. We all know teams that start uh, 0-2, very good chance to miss the playoffs. Teams that start 0-3 in, in the modern NFL era. So I guess since the AFL-NFL merger around like the late 60s, early 70s. So since that time, about 50 plus years, only six teams have made the playoffs after starting 0-3. One team made the playoffs after starting 0-4. That was the 92 Chargers, I think. Six teams have made the playoffs after starting 0-3. So there's a very good chance that if you start 0-3, you're not, you're not getting to the postseason. So Cincinnati, this is a must must win. It's crazy to say that early in the season, especially about a team that just played in the Super Bowl. They have to win this football game. They don't, they're done. Cincinnati's done. They're not making the playoffs. Uh, What else we got? Got Rams, Cardinals. That's a fun one. Packers, Bucks to me is the game of the week because you you got possibly the last ever matchup between two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, that being Aaron Rodgers and the GOAT, Tom Brady. Brady is missing a lot of weapons. Mike Evans out due to suspension, due to his role in the fight on Sunday against the Saints. So that'll be fun. 49ers, Broncos. 49ers are a point and a half favorite over Denver. Considering how Denver's looked their first two games, I don't totally disagree. I'll talk more about Jimmy G, by the way, and that whole Trey Lance situation with him going down, Jimmy G stepping in. Haven't really gotten a chance to do a whole segment on it, so I'll do one on that tomorrow, on tomorrow's show before I do my predictions. But let's move on to the NBA for a second. And by the way, speaking of the NBA, I, I, I'm, all, I'm totally aware of the Ime Odoka news. I'll discuss that more tomorrow as we get more and more information. But it sounds like he could be in some some pretty serious, pretty serious trouble with with what's going on over there in Boston. So I'll discuss that tomorrow uh, on the show. But in the NBA, you had something that should have happened a while ago, and that's Robert Sarver being out of the NBA. So last week, the NBA conducted almost a year long investigation into Robert Sarver, who is the owner of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury of the WNBA, for numerous allegations of racism, of uh, of sexism, and of uh, misogyny. All right, So they looked into it, and they ended up finding, okay, he used the N-word on at least five occasions, five that they for sure could find. He used inappropriate language and behavior towards women in the workplace. And when it was all said and done, 
he was suspended for a year and fined $10 million. And a lot of people, including myself on the show, pushed back saying, how can you not remove him from being an owner after all this? And after thinking about it, I think Adam Silver's justification of it was basically Donald Sterling, because a lot of people compare this to Donald Sterling, what happened eight years ago. Donald Sterling was on tape. We heard him say what he said, and we knew what his history was in regards to racism. So it didn't surprise us at all, but we actually got to hear on tape the whole world did. And so Adam Silver didn't have a choice. Adam Silver was only two months into his job as the NBA commissioner, and he said, you're out of here. You're, we're banning you from life for life from the NBA. And he was forced to sell the LA Clippers. In this case, I think if Robert Sarver's language was, was on tape, he would have been removed. But Adam Silver basically said, I don't have the authority to do that. So I, I don't know. I've always given Adam Silver's props. I think he's the best commissioner in sports without a shadow of a doubt. And I, 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 I like Goodell. I, I do. But I'm, I'm giving Adam Silver the nod on that one. But thankfully, due to pressure from NBA players, most notably LeBron, Draymond Green, Chris Paul, who plays for the Suns, so his voice really held a lot of weight, and from a lot of fans, a lot of media, saying that, hey, this, this guy should be able to own a team. I said in the show, owning an NBA franchise is a privilege. Uh, it, it, it is a you, you, you can't use that type of language. You can't conduct yourself in a manner that is detrimental to the organization or to the league. Robert Sarver now selling the team, puts out a statement. And I really got a kick out of this. <laughs> Here's a statement. Quote, As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate... It has become painfully clear that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do, it is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and the Mercury. <laughs> oh, there's so much to unpack there. There's so much to unpack there. First of all, Robert Sarver, you put yourself in this situation. This is not somebody doing something to you. And that's what I love about this is that he's trying to play the victim. It's all of us against him. He, he's the victim. And he says in our current unforgiving climate, listen, do I think that there is cancel culture? Of course. There's numerous examples. This is not one of them. There's got to be some level of accountability. This, what you are seeing, folks, is a man, we know he's a billionaire, who rarely in his life has been told that really stinging two-letter word. No. So man has rarely been told no. And when you have a situation where he behaves the way he behaved in Phoenix, and we saw the things that came out from this investigation from the NBA, there's got to be consequences. And as I said, you cannot have the privilege of owning an NBA franchise, a professional sports franchise for that matter, and conduct yourself like this. It's unacceptable. It, it is completely, utterly unacceptable. And, and you look, again, look at not just using the N-word, which to me is as is, 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 is disgusting as it gets, but some of the things he said towards women. Gross. I'm not going to read on this show. It's, it's, it's disgusting. You, you have to sell the team. Yeah, you, ha you have to. Because in a league that has prided itself on, 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 on diversity and giving everybody an opportunity, this is not the guy you want in the NBA. It's not. And what I love, and, and you are, I, I'm seeing social media already, folks. You've got a lot of people coming out saying, oh, He's being canceled. Oh, they're, they're banishing him. They're, they're punishing him. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. What I would love as a punishment, if I got like in trouble for something, you know what I would love? If the, the, the punishment was $2.5 billion 
for the Phoenix Suns. That's what I'd love. Robert Sarver nearly two decades ago bought the Suns for $400 million. They're now worth $2.5 billion. So, don't let the door hit you on the way out, buddy. Take your 2.5 bill and get the heck out of the NBA. You don't belong here. And this is what bothers me. He starts a statement. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. What you have to understand is that to ask for forgiveness, for for, for you to be truly sorry, for, for someone to forgive you, you got to show at least a little contrition. Just a little. Are you actually sorry? Or are you sorry you got caught? You can tell when people put out a statement. Like if, if somebody uh, uh, says something like along the lines of what Robert Sarver said, they're not sorry for what they did. They're sorry they got caught. And so, Mr. Sarver, it is not up to you to determine whether or not someone forgives you. It's not. It's out of your control. But if you truly did want forgiveness, because you show a little contrition, this is a man who has had a lot of power for a long time, who thinks he can get away with anything, Clearly, you can tell by this statement, which obviously a PR person did not write. This came straight uh, from, from his pen, okay, or straight from his, you know, wherever he typed this, okay? This is straight from Robert Sarver. This is not from a P, one of his PR people. This has been much better worded if it was. This is a man who's been rarely been told no in his life and a man who has no place in the NBA or, frankly, any sports league. He doesn't. So... And Adam Silver put out a pretty short message saying, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, basically saying, like, we support, we fully support Robert Sarver selling the team. Yeah. And there's been word around the NBA that the, the rest of the owners in the NBA, they didn't really like him. They didn't like him that much. They, 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 they wanted him gone. So this is a win for everybody. It's a win for the Suns. It's a win for the NBA. It's a win for the owners and for the players. And frankly, for the employees of the Phoenix Suns. So... Uh, Robert Sarver, uh, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, as we say. And uh, take your $2.5 billion and uh, just go away. Adios. Moving on back to the NFL. This, this guy this guy's just... It, it, it bothers me when people have never been held accountable and when they finally are. They act like petulant children. Like, I was taught as a kid. I'm sure you were taught as a kid, you the listener or the, the viewer, that when you do something wrong, there are consequences. There, there, is a, there is a certain level of punishment that comes to what you did. That's kind of how it, how it goes in life. And most people out there do have to face the consequences for their actions. Some don't. Sarver was not. And finally, now that he is, you see how he's handling it. I mean, our current unforgiving climate. Like, bro, you you use the N-word. You, you, you use uh, sexually explicit uh, language to female employees of the Phoenix Suns. You can't do that. That's, you just, you can't do that. This is on you, man. This is 100% on you. Nobody made you say those things. It's on you. And a lot of people out of Phoenix have said, yeah, it was a toxic working environment being around him. People did not like him. Same thing with Donald Sterling. People could not stand Donald Sterling with the LA Clippers. And that's why once the NBA got its opportunity, because the NBA, Don, uh, not, not Donald, David Stern, the previous commissioner before Adam Silver, David Stern had been looking for years to remove Donald Sterling. He created a toxic environment inside the Clippers organization. Nobody liked Donald Sterling. Nobody liked Donald Sterling. And so David Stern, the first, uh, actually in this case, Adam Silver, the first chance the NBA, the owners, the players got to remove Donald Sterling, they jumped at it quickly. Because nobody liked him. He was a terrible owner. The Clippers sucked for Pretty much the entire time he was there, outside of like the last couple of years, and that's just because they got Chris Paul and Doc Rivers. 
It was, it was a disaster. It was, it was a disaster. So, yeah, it's the, the, the more of these type owners, I mean, think about the NFL, Dan Snyder. Okay, I think we will all be celebrating, maybe not me as much because I, like I said, not a Cowboys fan anymore, but I don't root for the success of Washington. But I think we will all be happy if the NFL is able to remove Dan Snyder after what's gone on in Washington for a very, very long time. That and he's a crappy owner. I, I don't, I have a problem with crappy owners more than I do bad coaches or bad, um, bad general managers because all those other guys can be fired. If a coach sucks, okay, you can fire him. GM, fire him. If a player's not that good, you can trade him or release him. Owner, you're stuck with him. Like, you can't fire an owner. He owns the franchise. So to get rid of somebody like this, good for the NBA. Moving on to the NFL. Uh, I'm telling you, man. The continued disrespect of one Dak Prescott has flat out gotten out of control. And this time, it's coming from a Hall of Fame quarterback, Steve Young. So Steve Young was talking about Dak. He was talking about the whole situation with him being out and Cooper Rush being in and how they've kind of simplified the offense for Cooper Rush, which makes sense. You, you want to make it easy, put your backup quarterback in the best, best position to succeed. You're not going to ask him to make a whole lot of tough throws, right? Like, you want to make it as easy as possible. And the Cowboys, for the most part, to their credit, did that on Sunday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Steve Young was talking about that uh, on ESPN. And he said, quote, Dak Prescott, as a fellow dual-threat quarterback, sits back and sees a guy come in, and this happened to me. Remember when Steve Bono took over and he went in and just ran the offense? Just do the job. Nothing fancy, just do the job. And it really told me something that I needed to kind of reiterate to myself. I want Dak to really study Cooper Rush because in, my, in many ways, it's doing those fundamental things that can really help Dak when he comes back. If Steve Young, it may have come off as it may come off as arrogant, but if Steve Young had said, Dak needs to study what I did in this situation, like on the field, I I, I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a problem with this. Steve Young's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He won a Super Bowl. He led a 49ers team in 1994 to the Super Bowl and they won it against the San Diego Chargers. Steve Young was a great quarterback. Steve Young to me is one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever. But he's saying Dak Prescott needs to study Cooper Rush. Yeah. Yeah, Cooper Rush. Uh, the same Cooper Rush might add, and I have to give the, the props uh, to the Cowboys Cam fam. They got this from CBS. Um, but the Dallas Cowboys Cam fan, shout out to those guys, uh, also part of the grid. Uh, but th th they, they put the stat up. Highest percentage of passes that have been off target to start the season. Cooper Rush is in the top five at 22.7%. Only two quarterbacks in the NFL have thrown more off-target passes, according to CBS Sports, than Cooper Rush. And that would be Trey Lance and Justin Fields. That needs to study him. So, let's think of a... I don't know. Okay. Let's say that... Russell Wilson goes down. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Let's say that happens. Russell Wilson goes down. His backup, I think his backup is Josh Johnson, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. Let's just say for the sake of argument. Josh Johnson's his backup. Comes in, plays pretty well his first start. And they come out and say, Russell Wilson needs to study Josh Johnson on how to run the offense. We'd laugh. If Josh Allen, again, another knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt, especially the way he's playing. If Josh Allen got hurt, Case Keenum comes in. Case Keenum, he's won games in this league. 
Case Keenum comes in, wins the game. Are we going to be saying, hey, Josh Allen, you need to watch how Case runs the offense? No. Tom Brady, big knock on wood there. Say he goes down. Blaine Gabbert takes over. Blaine Gabbert plays well his first start. Hey, Tom, you, I know you're the GOAT and everything. I know you've won like, I don't know, seven rings. You study how Blaine Gabbert, a journeyman, runs the offense. No, nobody's saying that. But about Dak, you need to study Cooper Rush. Well, first of all, <laughs> there's not a whole lot to study. Cooper Rush has started two games in the NFL. Not a whole lot to look at. That's number one. Number two, Cooper Rush is way less accurate than Dak. I just gave you the stat there. Highest, third highest percentage in the whole NFL, <laughs> excuse me, of off-target passes. It's not a whole lot to look at there. Number three, they simplified the offense for Cooper Rush, as anyone would with their backup. He's working off the play action a lot. Right, they, he had a lot of rollout passes, putting in position, you know, a little short dump off, uh, five yard passes to Noah Brown or to Dalton Schultz or check downs to Zeke or to Pollard. Like that's that's what he's doing. They're not they're not opening up the full play, but for Cooper Rush, simply because Cooper Rush can't make the throws Dak can make, that's why he's the backup. And lastly, so Dak doesn't know the offense. Folks, Dak's been in that offense for seven years. Mike McCarthy took over Dak's fifth year in the NFL, but if you remember, Mike McCarthy said that time because he kept Kellen Moore around as the offensive coordinator, offense didn't change one iota. Just the only thing it changed was the terminology, what the plays were called, uh, audibles and all that. That's all it changed. Dak's been in the same offense for seven years now. I think he knows how to run it. He, he ran it well enough last year that he, I don't know, through for 4,700 yards and 37 touchdowns, which happens to be a Cowboys single-season record. He's got a top-five record in the NFL among starters. He is, since coming into the NFL, I'm sorry, not coming in the NFL, since, uh, since last year, he's top five, uh, top 10 in passing yards and completion percentage. I think he's top five in completion percentage. Touchdown passes, touchdown interception ratio. I think Dak's doing okay. I think he knows how to run the offense. That's that's just maybe I'm being crazy. Maybe I'm I'm really going out on a limb here. I think Dak knows how to run the offense. So for Steve Young to even suggest this is flat out, flat out wrong. And with all due respect to Steve Young. All-time great quarterback to me. One of the most underrated quarterbacks to ever play the game. This is ridiculous. If you want to say, while Dak's out, he should study Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Something that they do well. Okay, yeah. Those guys are better than Dak. Like, I'm not not complaining about that. I'm not pushing back. Or you should study how Brady and Rodgers read the line of scrimmage. Okay, those are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I'm not complaining about that. If Steve Young even said, and maybe it come off as arrogant, but if Steve Young said, study what I did here, yeah, Steve Young's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He won a Super Bowl. Of course. I, yeah, of course Dak should look at that. Cooper Rush, even if Dak wanted to, there's two games to look at. Cooper Rush just started two games in the NFL. Not a whole lot of film there. And that's what you see a lot of times with back at quarterbacks. That's what you saw last year when Cooper Rush started his first NFL game. Remember, he played real well. He threw for like 300 yards, threw for a couple of touchdowns, played really well against the Vikings. Vikings didn't have any film on him. They didn't know what he was. Like, that's when you prove you're a great quarterback is when they have film on you, they know what you do well, what you don't do well, and you're still successful. That's that's what a great quarterback is. But Cooper, Cooper Rush is a backup. Can we, can we please, and I knew this was going to happen when they beat Cincinnati. I knew this was going to happen. And Jerry threw that little bug in last week that I talked about that, hey, when Dak comes back, we may have to have a little discussion about who the starting quarterback's going to be. And it'll be like uh, when Dak took over for Romo in 2016. We may have to have a little discussion about who our quarterback is around week six or so, week seven. Is it, is it Dak or is it Cooper Rush? Okay, all right. More Cooper Rush plays. 
And I like Cooper Rush. I do. I, don't, I hate to sound like I'm like anti-Cooper Rush. I think he's a good backup quarterback. I think, I think he's going to be in this, this league for a long time. He, he can come in and he can win you games if your starter goes down. He's a good backup for Dak. They don't have to change the offense. He, he's good. But this, this, like, this craziness that's going on right now, it's, it, 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 it's insane. Nobody would suggest about, obviously, Brady and Rodgers, but Allen, Mahomes, Stafford, Wilson, Burrow, I mean, has Dak had a game as bad as Burrow's week one? Burrow threw four interceptions and had five turnovers. Dak's career high was three, and he's been in the league a lot longer than Joe has. Not saying Dak's better than Joe, but let's keep it real here. Let's let's understand what guys are and what guys aren't. And let's understand that Dak don't need to look at Cooper Rush's film. He needs to look at his own film. If he wants to look at what other quarterbacks do well, knock yourself out. You always want to learn from the best. You always want to take a page out of, or, or, or something out of uh, what somebody else does well. That's great. That's that's what everybody, what we all should do. But if you are a great surgeon for a long time and a younger surgeon who's had two successful surgeries. Good for them. And definitely good for the patient, right? Do you think the veteran needs to learn from the kid? No. So let's, let's, let's can we please drop this? Can, can, we, can we please stop? If you want to criticize Dak, say he didn't play well against Tampa, or he didn't play well in the playoff game against the Niners, or, you know, he's he's got some things that he's not as good as other quarterbacks at. Yeah, yeah, no quarterback's perfect. He, he's not as good. As some of the guys I mentioned, Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Wilson. But let's 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 understand who Dak Prescott is. He's won a lot of games in this league. As a matter of fact, just to show you what uh, what Dak accomplished, see if I can find this. Hold on. Let's see, because because I saw a stat yesterday for 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 Dak that I thought was was really interesting. I'll, I'll pull it up real quick because it, it was, it really kind of signified what I've always said about him, about who he is as a true elite quarterback in this league for a long time now. Uh, let's see. Okay. So in Dak's last, because, you know, everybody said, oh, Dak was so bad at the end of last year, right? He's, he went, he was in a slump. Jerry Jones himself, because, you know, Jerry's a big Dak fan, not Jerry Jones himself said, oh, you know, Dak, Dak is in a little bit of a slump. Media in Dallas said, oh, Dak's in a slump. He's not playing well. He he hasn't played well. Really? That's funny. Last 10 games, including the wild card game where Dak did not play well. Including this last game where Dak didn't play well. The last 10 games that Rain Dakota Prescott has played. Fourth most yards in the NFL. Third most touchdowns. He's got less picks than Allen, Herbert, and Brady. Fifth most big-time throws. Second most drops by receivers in that span. He has been pressured more than any other quarterback in football in that span. And he is the eighth highest-graded quarterback. If that's his slump, man, imagine when he gets out of it. Let's... uh. Let's 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 keep it real about Dak Prescott. He's an elite quarterback. Like, let's, let's, can we stop? Can we stop? It's driving me crazy. I, 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 I hate the the disrespect this guy gets. It's crazy. Okay, I get really heated on that on that subject. I I, I do. I can't I can't help myself. Uh, I've been a Dak Prescott fan since before he was a cowboy. Oh, love that dude. And when when the, when the disrespect continues, <clears throat> I'm not saying he's he's a top five quarterback. He's not. But he is absolutely, you're telling me there are 10 quarterbacks that are no question better than Dak. To me, there are six, seven that I'm like, absolutely, 100% ahead of Dak. Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, uh, uh, Wilson, as bad as Wilson's played, I, I do think he is better than Dak. Um, and then I think it's a toss-up between Herbert or Stafford. I'm not so sure Dak's not better than Stafford at this point in time. 
Put Dak in L.A. with that Rams roster. You're telling me they don't win the Super Bowl still? Der- uh, let's say Derek Carr. We can, we can say Derek Carr. One of those guys. So Dak's around eight or nine to me. Or you can say Lamar. If you want to say Lamar's better, I'm not going to fight you on that. I love Lamar. Lamar's one of my favorite quarterbacks too. Okay, speaking of Lamar, so let's, let's talk about the division he plays, and that's the AFC North. Um, and that's actually where week three of the NFL season is going to kick off. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, what is a heated rivalry. Two one-on-one teams, both coming off of week two losses. Pittsburgh losing 17-14 to to the New England Patriots. Cleveland losing in heartbreaking fashion to the New York Jets. Uh, after having a 13-point lead with two minutes left, they wound up losing the football game. Why? Because they're the Cleveland Browns, and, the, and that's why. And because Amari Cooper didn't recover an onside kick. That said, Cleveland in this game is favored minus four and a half. So, betters like Cleveland pretty, pretty well, right? We know the home team gets three points. This is an interesting one because you are going to see in this game very average quarterback play and very good defense, defensive play. We know what Miles Garrett is on the other side for the Cleveland Browns. Miles Garrett is one of the five best defensive players in all of football. He's up there with Donald, Watt, Parsons. He, he's he's unbelievable. He he is he is unblockable. He's what are we giving him? 6'4, 270 pounds, athletic, big, strong, fast. There's nothing you can do to stop this guy. I think he's gonna be in the backfield a lot. Because Pittsburgh's offensive line isn't very good. It's not. It's one of the worst in the NFL, to be completely honest with you. They haven't run the football terribly well. The receivers are good. Deontay Johnson. Um, I like the kid they drafted out of Georgia, George Pickens. think he's going to be fantastic once he gets a good quarterback and an offensive line that can protect his quarterback. I think he's got a, a chance to be a great receiver in this league. But it's not like it's going a whole lot better in Cleveland. Outside of, we know the running game with, with Nick Chubb, and we know how good that offensive line is. Outside of Amari Cooper, I think I, think I gave Cleveland too much credit for having good weapons because they're not that great. And Pittsburgh has an excellent secondary. And so, with that secondary, with their number one guy, Minka Fitzpatrick, on spending a lot of time on Amari Cooper's side of the field, that's going to be really tough for Jacoby Brissett to, to get the ball to the other guys. So, I think Cleveland's going to have to really rely on their running game, which I think they will. I think this is a this is kind of a get-right game for Cleveland. Uh, I do not think they are going to cover the spread. I, I don't. Four and a half seems like a little too much uh, because these teams, again, great defenses, very average quarterback play. And by the way, both teams, I think, have great coaches. I love Mike Tomlin, and I love Kevin Stefanski. To me, what decides it, what, what is kind of the, the tiebreaker, Steelers have a very average run game. Cleveland's is one of the best in the NFL. So with that said, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns to win this game by final score of 23-20 to 20 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They don't cover the spread, so I'm going Pittsburgh plus 4.5. But I think Cleveland wins the game outright 23-20 to 20 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they get back to having a winning record. So there you go. You got the Browns winning. I think it's going to be a little bit of an eyesore. You know, with that first game on Amazon Prime, uh, uh, Bezos was there, you know, sitting next to Roger Goodell. It's it's, it's going to be a little, little, little hard to watch compared to last week, considering that it was Kansas City Chargers. You got Mahomes and Herbert. Whereas now this week you got Brissett and Trubisky. A little bit of a drop off there, but I think it'll be at least entertaining. Look, it's football, guys. Are we really going to complain at this point about the quarterback matchups? They're not as good as, 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 it's not as good as last week, but folks, football is back. College football is, is in full swing. College football's better than I thought it'd be, in part because my Tennessee Vols are the 11th ranked team in America. Let's go, Vols. Let's go beat Florida. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. I appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up live tomorrow. We will actually be live this time, so don't worry. I'm sure everybody has, has commented. I appreciate that so much. I wish I could respond, but again, today's show is not live. Tomorrow's show will be live, Carving Up Live, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. Also, be sure to catch the Carving It Up podcast. Now on the Grid Network, you, find, you can find the new episodes of Carving It Up on the Grid. Uh, network. So that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I don't think we're on iHeartRadio yet. So, you know, try and check that in the future. But as of right now, kind of the two primary podcasting platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Catch Carving It Up around eight, eight o'clock, nine o'clock Eastern after every show. So be sure to check that out. 
carving it up on the grid network. Man, it feels good to say those words. Feels good to say that. All right. Enjoy some football tonight, folks. Can't wait to talk tomorrow about all that's going on in the NFL, including tonight's game, including some Jimmy Garoppolo news in the NBA, Ime Udoka getting into some trouble. And of course, got to predict week three in the NFL. I love it. It's my favorite segment of the week. So have a great evening, everybody. Continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Let's go balls. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.